Remain standing with me for the reverence of reading God's word. Matthew chapter 7 and 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. I want you to understand something. Both of those houses were both built. Both of those houses endured storms. Both of those houses were encountered by contrary winds. Both of those houses has elements outside of their structure that were prevailing against those structures. The difference was, is what was the house built on? What am I telling you? You can be saved and be here tonight. That doesn't mean that it ain't going to rain. What am I telling you? You can be saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, and that does not mean that winds are not coming into your life. The difference of the life of a believer and an unbeliever is what you've built your life on. And I thought it was so crazy tonight, you know, honestly, that I come in here and I had this word in my spirit and I said, God, it's so, so elementary. Like, I, I, I just, I feel like I'm going back teaching this word. And God told me, he said, there's a lot of people that need to hear this word tonight because what I want to talk to you about is living a life that matters. Yes. Living a life that counts. Yes. Because every one of you are living your lives. The question is, is what are you living them for? Because let me tell you something, your success is not in your job, it's not in your career. Are you ready for this? It ain't in who you married and it ain't how many kids you got. It's not how much money you got in the bank. It's not even where you will be 10 years from now. That is not the measure of success. That is the, uh, that is the lie of our culture. That how much you have determines your life. Let me tell you something, I've met a lot of people that don't have very much, but they got Jesus and they're a whole lot happier than men that got millions in the bank. But as I was studying into this word, it's so crazy because I didn't have, I said, God, what's, you know, usually I come to you with a text, an opening, if you will, a scripture that paves the way for us to walk into the word, and I didn't have it. And tonight while we were in worship and they began to sing that song, instantly I went to Matthew 7 and I knew, wise is the man who built his house, who builds his life, who builds his life on the rock. I want to talk to you tonight briefly. And teach to you, honestly, I want to talk and teach to you tonight. Because there's a lot of new believers in here. And let me tell you something to the elder saints that are in this room. People that have been walking with the Lord over 10 years. You need to hear this word again. You need to be reminded because if we're not careful, we will become like Peters who know his voice but still have, a, still have an ability to look at waves. We know his voice, but yet we can still be deterred by the winds. We know his voice, but when we walk, we're easily distracted. So it's for the young and the old in Christ just as much 
as any. This word is for you tonight. Somebody say it's for me tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're about to speak, teach, revelate, penetrate into our hearts. God, we don't want to hear your word. We want to do it. God, if we're going to hear it and not do it, then silence my mouth now and let us all go home. God, if this word will be like pearls before swine, keep every word inside of the vessel in which you desire to distribute it tonight. But God, if we will hear and hearken your word and heed to it, and we will implement it as seed into our life, desiring to eat the fruit of it, then Father, sow it unsparingly. Sow it unmeasuringly. Father, sow it, till it, and pour it into our lives in such a measure, God, that it will shake us. It will awaken us. It will become, it will become commandments in by which we will live by. It will be statues in which guide us. It will be guardrails in the life of, on the roads of our lives, God, in which will guide us. Father, we need your word. Father, give us the Bible tonight. We don't need the intellect nor the input of man. We need the word of God. God, we ask that your word would become a lamp unto our feet for our darkened paths. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated all over the house. I understand that we didn't do offering tonight. This is what I do know. We're amongst grown folk. You know, you know the concept of giving. Nobody should have to come up here and constantly lead you in giving. If you want to give something to the Lord, you know the ways how. We just ask that you do that. Let's carry on in the word of the Lord though tonight. Amen? Amen. We all question in the back of our minds, does our life really matter? Every single person here has to understand that it's not the date you were born nor the day you will die. The Bible is clear that it's appointed for every man to live and die and then the judgment. We have to understand that the, the, the significance of a man's life is not written on his tombstone. The significance of a man's life is not written in his obituary. The significance of a man is found, though, on a tombstone. The significance of a man is not found, though, in the date that he was born. And the significance is not found in the date in which he died. But the significance of a man's life is found in a tombstone. And it's found on that small little dash, that line, that hyphen between the date of birth and the date of death. That is the significance of a man. And what we do with that dash determines the rest of our eternity. And the church has to get back with a focal point of living with the end in mind, a focal point of understanding that we are all running a race, understanding that we are not living our lives. I, I felt a compelling to this word tonight because if we're not careful, specifically in this season, we will begin to be overburdened. We will begin to be, be overworried and anxious because of the stress and the pressures that life and culture puts on people specifically in this season. But at the end of the day, it's not what your kids get for Christmas. It's not what you can't afford, what you can't afford. It's not, it's not a matter of how much money is in your bank. It's not a matter of what property you own. It's not even a matter of what you do for a living. What matters is what are you doing with your life? Are you living a life that matters? And does your life really matter? Does my life really matter? matter? Am I living to the maximum of my potential, of my God-given right? God said in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you. My question is, is God, are we living up to those plans? 
I don't ever want to sell out. I don't want a foe. I don't want a fake. I don't want, I don't want something that's false and miss the reality and the revelation of the life that Jesus Christ died for me to live. John 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. There is an abundant life in Christ. It is a concept that once we lose our lives, that we find it. This kingdom is a backwards, upside down kingdom. In this kingdom, to discover who you are, you got to lose who you are. You, your last name don't matter in this kingdom. What side of the tracks you're from don't matter in this kingdom. What matters in this kingdom is how quick can you lose your life? How quick can you get rid of how much you care? About my dreams, my plans, my visions, my hopes, my life, my family, my money, my... Come on, somebody. Because the moment you learn to lose that, Jesus said, when you lose it, then... Then and only then can you find it. There are people right now that are living in, in a life under the sound of my voice and you are stressed to the max. You are stressed to the max about finances. You are stressed to the max about where you are in life and what you're doing with your life. Some of you are living in dead-end jobs and you are consumed and you are full of worry because you're like, my God, what's the purpose of even living? Can I tell you something? Your identity is not in what you do. Your identity is not in how much money is in your bank account. Your identity is not about who you work for. Your identity is about who died for you. And living a life for him. That is the significance of anybody's life in this room. It, when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you how much of an executive you were. He's not going to ask you how many planes you flew on across countries because men wanted you to sit at their conference table. He's not going to ask you how many doctorates you had. He's not going to ask you how many children you had. He's not going to ask you. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my name? What did you do for my glory? See, and now we realize in this moment there's a revelation that settles in this room that many of us are living a life that really doesn't matter. Many of us are living for a cause that falls completely short in absence of the, of, of the presence of Christ. That if we're really living for God, if we're really living for Him, then everything else is in vain. This is a gospel that tells you to sell all that you have. And give to the poor. Why? Because Jesus said, your monetary doesn't matter. I don't care how many, how many palaces you have and how many crowns of princes and kings that you have. My question is, is am I your king of kings? Am I your Lord of lords? What if I told you what matters is not your success, but your significance? What matters is not what you learn, but what you teach. What if I told you that a life that matters is one that it's not what you receive, but what you give. There is no man that is laid on his deathbed and said, I wish I could have went to work one more day. There's no, there's no woman, there's no man, there's no person that lays on their deathbed and says, man, I wish I could have made one more dollar. 
Every man and every woman that lays on that bed of eternity, that the, the threshold of eternity, every single one of them, in any reflection of their life, they begin to look back on. They don't look back at the monetary gains. They don't look at the positions and promotions. What they look back on is things like family and faith. They wonder where they stand before God. They wonder if they lived a life that Jesus will stand before them and say, well done, thy good and faithful because if we're going to live a life that matters then we have to realize what it is that really matters I want to give you five things that I believe the word of God shows us that are an example to living a life that matters the first trait of living a life that matters if you're taking notes write this down is that you live a life that can be mirrored Watch this. Looking into a mirror, you see a reflection. A reflection of an object or an image. But watch this. It's not the actual, but it's a reflection of it. If you're going to live a life that matters, I want you to know your life must reflect Christ. I'm I'm going to sit there just for a second. Because if I'm living a life that really matters, that people should be able to look into me, they may not see Jesus completely, but they should absolutely see some of him. And if we're living a life that matters, then our actions, our attitudes, our abilities, our love, our everything that we do should be a mirroring image of Jesus Christ to a world that is looking to see him, to a church that sings songs that say, oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face, there to sing forever of his amazing grace. The the, the world should be able to look at Bible-believing, blood-bought Christians and be able to see him. If you're living a life that matters, then your life should mirror the identity, the imagery of Jesus Christ. Catch that. It's a reflection. It's not the actual image, but you catch a glimpse of it. If you're going to live a life that matters, when people gaze into your life, do they see a reflection of Jesus' love? When people look at your life, do your words and actions mirror that of Jesus Christ? See, living a life that matters reflects that of greatness of servanthood, greatness of love, greatness of service, greatness of compassion, greatness of conviction. A life that matters is one that reflects the image of Jesus. I know your whole life they told you that you had to get some title in front of your name, and then, and then, and only then would you be somebody of importance. I know know culture told you that the president of the United States was the highest office in the land. I know that that your mamas and your daddies told you to to get out of school, get good grades, go to college, go have a family, get a house with a white picket fence and everything will be hunky-dory. You believed a lie. wasn't long ago that just in the county over in one of the most wealthiest neighborhoods in our region a man shot and killed police officers in his front yard 
Probably had all the money that you would think of. But in the absence of Jesus Christ, there's a God-sized hole that only Jesus can fill. And as a person myself who knows what it's like to have executive level positions, titles. I know what it's like to be put on airplanes and flown to countries to live elaborately amongst, amongst other executives. I know what it's like to have six-figure salaries. I know what it's like to have people, you know, just because of the position you hold, they, 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 they reference you. And let me tell you something. That lifestyle is a dark empty hole. That lifestyle is not a hole that you find purpose in. That lifestyle is not a life that you say, aha, finally I made it. Now mind you, I have nothing against that lifestyle with Christ. I believe it's God's plan for you to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower. But I believe God raises you up so that you can be a city set upon a hill. A light that cannot be hidden. When God puts you in rooms that you know yourself you shouldn't even be permitted to be in, it's not so that you can get a title in front of you. It's so that you can be, have a towel and learn how to serve them like Jesus would and love them so that the Zacchaeus, the rich men, they can come down out, out of their trees and they can see Jesus and they, can have an, and they can have an encounter with the Lord. God puts you in place and position, not for your purpose, but for his power to be revealed. James 1 and 22, I got to teach, I got to be quick. James 1 and 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Go back to that. I'll read it off of the New King James. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Remember, living a life that matters is one that mirrors. Remember that? You mirror the image of Christ. Now watch verse 24. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law, what's the perfect law? The word of God of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work or the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. Watch this. You want to prosper in your life? Let me tell you how you prosper in your life. You ready? You want prosperity in your life? You want a good marriage? You want to be successful in everything you lay your hands to? You want God to prosper everything that you do? Do you want to be raised up high? I'll tell you how. Ready? Here's how. That you get in this word, and you don't only get in this word, but this word gets inside of you. And when you look in this word, it becomes a mirror. It becomes a reflector. And you look in this word until you see more of Jesus inside of you. That when you look in, your, in this word you see him because the bible says that a man that does not obey this word does not do this word is like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like when he walks away if you're going to live a life that matters let me tell you something you got to remember what he looks like if you're going to live a life that matters you got to ask yourself am i looking like jesus Come on, am I looking like Jesus when I'm standing at the checkout line and it's taking longer than what I want it to? Am I looking like Jesus? Am I looking like Jesus when my wife does something to upset me and I don't know how much more I can take? Am I looking like Jesus or have I forgot what he looks like? 
Have I allowed foolery to come out of my mouth? Have I allowed curses to come out of my mouth? Have I allowed an attitude to be betrayed from my life? Because if so, let me tell you what that is. That's somebody that got in the word and forgot what he looked like. But when we refuse to just hear the word, but do the word, we're living a life that matters when we begin to mirror the image of Jesus to everyone that is around us. The second trait to living a life that matters. You ready? The first is Jesus is mirrored in your life. The second trait of living a life that matters is you're living a life that's magnified. Now, I mind you, caution you, don't look at my life under a magnifier. You will find many things that are mistakes. You will find many things that are flaws. You will find many things that just don't quite fit the bill. You hear what I'm saying? Now watch this. If you're going to live a life that matters, you're going to mirror Jesus and you're going to magnify him. Watch this. Don't magnify you. <laughs> Come on. My God, don't put my life under a microscope. Don't look at me on eight power zoom, but look at him. Come on. Look at him. If you do magnify him, and when you live a life that magnifies him, watch this. What you literally do is you learn how to magnify the image of Jesus wherever you are. Your life literally, watch this, begins to bring Jesus into focus for everyone that can't see him. Philippians 1 and 20. I don't know about y'all, but I want to live in a world and I want to live in such a way that my Jesus is on high resolution. I want a 4K Jesus in my life. That when people see him in my life, they see him with crystal clarity. That when they look and see him, they say, that had to be the Lord. I see the Lord working in Dominion Church. I see the Lord working in Kyle, Kyle Myers' life. I see the Lord. Why? Because he's being magnified, not me. Philippians 1.20. According to the earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now always, Christ will be magnified in my body. Now watch this. Whether by life or by death. Watch this. Paul tells the church... At Philippi, all I'm doing is trying to live a life so now Christ will be magnified in my body. Watch this, where Jesus comes to the forefront. If you're living a life that really matters, watch this, you learn how to step back. Watch this, you learn how to decrease so that he can increase. You learn how to zoom out so he can zoom in. Oh, that's good. Living a life that magnifies him Watch this, makes Jesus bigger. You ever heard the cliche, don't tell me how big your storm is, tell me how big your God is? That is living a life that magnifies Jesus. Have you ever been around those people that really aren't living a life that matters? And how can you say that? Because all they do is complain. All they do is magnify the problems. All they want to talk about is everything that's wrong. All they want to talk about is how, how bad everyone else is and how, how wrong they were done and how, how dark and gloomy their life is and how they can't get a break and how they can't seem to cut loose and, and why everybody else got it this way and I got it that way and woe is me and wah, wah, wah. And what they do, watch this, what you magnify manifests. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Here, 
Let me take you back to second grade science class when you took the magnifiers from your teacher like I did and we went on the playground and we found ants. What you magnify will catch on fire. I want Jesus on fire in my life. I don't, I don't need my problems on fire. Come on, somebody. I don't need my relationships on fire. What you magnify will manifest. What you magnify catches on fire. Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, I'm living my life in such a way, whether I'm living or dying, Christ is magnified. Christ is the focus. Jesus is the center of it all. One of the pillars of our church is that we are Christ-centered. What does that mean? That everything we do, we do to magnify King Jesus. It's not about Kyle. It's not about Dominion Church. It's not about our leadership team. It's not about how good our kids' program is. It's not about how good our worship is. It is, is they, can they see Jesus more than they see any of us? That's the question. That's the purpose, that's the passion that drives this ministry is how can we make Jesus bigger? How can we make him more famous? How can we get his name out? I don't want him to see my face. Let him see yours, Lord. Third trait, the third trait of living a life that matters. First, it's mirrored. Then it's magnified. And third, it's manifested. This point is hope to the person that's sitting here saying, well, I guess my life doesn't matter. Because I don't mirror nor magnify Christ in any way, they say, but watch this. But the glory of manifestation is this, that it literally takes place to make something out of nothing. So watch this. You could be seated here or listening tonight saying, well, I guess my life doesn't matter because I don't mirror Jesus. I don't magnify him. I guess my, no, let me encourage you. A life that matters is a life that has learned how to allow Christ to manifest. Why? Because manifestation has the ability to take nothing and make it into something. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally a caterpillar into a butterfly, it's water into wine, it's blind into seeing, deaf into hearing, mute into talking, lame into walking, drunk into preacher, addict into counselor, prostitute into worship leader, criminal into teacher, junkie into judge, shepherd into king, and persecutor into church planner. When you get the concept of manifestation, it don't matter how much you mirror. It don't matter how much you magnify. If you will make yourself a willing vessel for the manifestation of the glory of God, God can take nothing and make something incredibly something. I'm so glad that I don't have to be perfect to live a life that matters. Watch this. I just have to be surrendered. Did you hear me? Perfection is not a qualifier for a life that matters. Surrender is. It's not what you do with your life. It's what you allow him to do with your life. Exodus 13 and 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day a pillar of cloud and to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, 
so as to go by day and night. Watch this. It says, And the Lord went before them by day as a pillar of cloud, and by night by a pillar of fire. You do understand that God is not a pillar of cloud, nor is he a pillar of fire. Can I teach? But he manifested into those things in this season. <laughs> Watch. To bring about a fulfillment of a certain cause. Hold on, i got to help you. Some of you are not nursery workers. <laughs> Some of you are not children's church workers. Some of you are not ushers and sound guys, and some of you are not preachers. But watch this. I came to tell you, you may need to manifest your happy little self into those things for a certain season. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You manifest yourself into those things in a certain season to bring about a certain cause. It's not who you are, but it's because when you allow God and you live a life surrendered to God, God can take you and use you even though you're not a cloud, even though you're not a nursery worker. But he can manifest a grace on your life to bring about a certain cause. Why? Because he's moving you from here to there. The beauty of manifestation is this, that manifestation will, will, it will, will, will give way to a, place, a, a, a system called metamorphosis. It allows things. It's a system of cycle of change. It moves the cocoon or the caterpillar to the cocoon from the cocoon into the butterfly, the butterfly to, with wings. And, and so what you have to understand is your life, if you're living your life as a believer, watch this, don't get frustrated with your cocoon season. Don't get frustrated with your caterpillar season. Why? Because your wings are itching. That's right. You know, come on somebody, you know one day you're going to have wings. You, come on, you on the ground right now and you know you were born to fly. Don't you call it quits as a caterpillar when God's called you to soar. you got to wait on the season of manifestation. And if you're going to live a life that matters, you got to allow God to manifest you through those seasons. I wasn't always a preacher. There was days, 41 Callan Drive, Sumter, South Carolina, that I scrub toilets. If I'm lying, I'm dying. There was days that before I was even an usher taking up the offering, my job was to straighten the books in the library of the church. Oh, it's quiet in the house of the Lord. If you're not anointed to hold the mop, you're not anointed to hold the mic. God, oh, I, I got to go. I got to chase this thing. Watch this because everybody thinks that, they, that they're entitled to something. But in this kingdom, he said, you got to show me that you're faithful with little. And when you're faithful with little, then I'll manifest you into something great. You never get to lead people until you've led sheep. Just ask Moses. Just ask David. But what was happening is they were all willing to live in a season, in a moment of manifestation. If you're going to live a life that matters, you've got, to have, you've got to have a surrender to God's plan of manifestation. Let me encourage you with this in manifestation. Manifestation, it can't always be what it's always been. You can't keep living the way you've always lived. When you live in the concept of manifestation, transformation is sure to come about. But none of it happens without surrender. The fourth thing, I'm almost done. In the living a life that matters, is you gotta have 
Not just the manifestation. But the fourth trait of living a life that matters is when you begin to give way to the miraculous. I look at the life of Peter who is one of Jesus' closest disciples. He watched Jesus perform the miracles. Watch this. And then he mirrors him. And then he magnifies him. And then he allowed the Holy Spirit to manifest these miracles. We, we hear stories about how Peter's shadow healed people. People needed to encounter the miraculous. Let me ask you this though. Will they encounter the miraculous through your life? See, God desires to bring heaven to earth through you. And if you're going to live a life that matters, the miraculous has got to flow, not just in you, but through you, because people need to encounter the power of Jesus Christ through your life. Watch this. People are still talking about Peter walking on water 2,000 years ago. (laughs) People are still talking about him walking down the streets and his shadow healing. The miraculous motivates a life that matters. Living a life that matters is not about you getting your miracle, but about, others, uh, about seeing others occupy theirs. Here's my question to you tonight. Are you living a life in such a way that in 2,000 years, they will still be talking about what God did through your life? You understand that Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't rich. He was married. We know that because Jesus prayed for his mother-in-law's fever and it broke. But that's really all we know about Peter's life. What am I telling you? That Jesus knew the significance of a man was not recorded in what our culture calls living. He records the fact that he was a fisherman. But the Bible goes on to count hundreds of things that Peter did for the glory of God. We find out that Peter was in prison and the church was praying at midnight. And the chain shook and the door flung open. And the angel of the Lord slapped him and said, hey, Peter, get up. He goes and knocks on the door and the church that was praying is amazed. that The answered prayer is standing at their door. This is Peter, the one who, 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 be, who, 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 who betrayed Jesus. But then even in his betrayal, Jesus rises from the tomb and says, go get, go get my disciples and Peter. And Peter is encouraged to come. This is Peter who on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says rising up and the 11 apostles standing with him begins to preach this Christ whom you crucified. God has raised up. And the Bible says on that day, 3,000 people were added. There is record upon record upon record of Peter's life. And none of it has to do with what our culture tells us is a life that matters. What am I telling you? Don't get so caught up in the life that you miss the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. You got one shot at this life. And if you're blessed... It'll be 70 years. And anything beyond that is a blessing, the word says. I was sitting the other day and I was revelating and contemplating on the fact that I've already lived more than half of my life. And there's some of you under the sound of my voice that got 20, 30, and 40 years on me. Some of you are living in that blessed state right now. Let Let me encourage you on the fact. It is not what you think. 
Do not lose your life in him because culture has told you about a life that matters is a life with a fat bank account and a, and a fancy family and, and a big house on the side of town and white picket fence and where everybody knows your name. No, let me tell you something. I know a man who stood on the banks of the Jordan who hid in the wilderness eating, eating locusts and wild honey and he was clothed in camel hair and he's the one that prepared the way of the Lord because he lived a life that mattered. Jesus showed up to John the Baptist's ministry in life. Why? Be, not because he was a dignitary, not because he had it all together. He probably didn't even smell good. But Jesus said, that's a man. That's a man that I can show up in his life. That's a man that has the right to pronounce my arrival. That's a man who I want to baptize me. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a life that matters tonight. Don't you lose your life. Lose your life. Don't lose your life. Lose your life. Don't lose your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The last trait of living a life that matters. So we have to understand, you know, they say Memorial Day is an incredible day because it's a day that we remember the brave men and women who gave their greatest gift for your freedom, their lives. I believe a life that matters is one where Jesus has been memorialized. Looking at the cross of Christ, it stands as a memorial of God. His great love demonstrated for us as sending the Savior to a lost and dying world. People have been talking about Jesus and his cross for over 2,000 years. It's a memorial that we gather here every service. Did, did you hear what I said? Every service is a memorial service. He said, and as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. If any two gather in my name, behold, there I am in the midst of them. I don't come to church for you. I don't come to church to see who's here. I come to church to remember the one who died and bled and gave his life for me. I don't come to church to see how many people we can get. I come to church to feel him and know that he's still alive. He's still saving. He's still redeeming. He's still restoring. He's still reviving. I memorialize the life of Christ every time we gather. I remember all that he did for me. A wicked man. So that I could have freedom. When I look at the life of Jesus, there's no greater example of a one that lived a life that mattered. You ready? He mirrored the image of God. John 14 and 9 says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Not only did he mirror the image of God, he magnified the heart of God. 
He magnified the heart of God so that we could recognize that we did not have to stand at a distance from God anymore. He magnified God. He magnified God to us. He brought us who were far off so much clear. He brought God in the perfect view. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near. You've been magnified to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only did he mirror, not only did he magnify, but he manifested John 1 and 14. said, so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Not only did he manifest, he brought the miraculous. Matthew 4 and 24 says, They brought unto him all who were ill and suffering with various diseases. So they brought unto him the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all, one translation says. So, I think it's safe to say that Jesus understood what it was to live a life that matters because he did so in 33 and a half years. He didn't need to live 70 years. Why? Because he stretched out his arms on the cross of Calvary and said, it is finished. Watch this. He lived a life that mattered in 33 and a half years. And there's people right here, right now in this room, you're 40 years old, and you're still trying to figure out the purpose of life. And the reason why is because you've been living for everybody but him. Come on. Matthew 6 and 33 is my life verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. It's a mystery of the kingdom of God that we have to lose our life to find it. 2 Timothy 2 and 8 says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. What do you say? This is my good news. Remember, memorialize it. Live your life every day in the remembrance of a God who loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross that should have had you on it. Live every day. Live every day in a recognition and revelation and a remembrance that you got no right to have such peace. You've got no right to have such joy. You've got no right to have such love. But you do. Because God sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price that we couldn't pay. So that we could have a joy that we could never afford. So that we could have a peace that we could never buy. So that we could have a hope that we could have never discovered outside of him. Get up. Read your Bibles. Spend time with God. Listen to Christian worship music. 
Turn the crap off that's pumping death into your ears and, and deterring you from a walk with God. Silence the voice of darkness and allow the illumination of the glorious gospel to shine in your hearts, to penetrate the darkness in your life that's causing you to think that you're living for anything else other than Him. You know what my challenge is to you in this season? Learn how to lose your life. Learn how to die. Learn how to die. Learn how to die. Learn how to die. Nonetheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I've died a thousand deaths and I'll die a thousand more just to live for him. Let me tell you something. When you live for Jesus, you'll find yourself saying no to a lot of things that you like. You find yourself walking away from a lot of things that you would love to walk towards. When you really live for Jesus, you don't get to just talk any kind of way. You don't get to just live any kind of way. You don't get to just go anywhere you want to go. Because if you live that life, you're going to lose him. Stand with me all over the house. I don't know about you, Dominion, but I want to live a life that matters. And I'm confident, and I can say this with the highest degree of truth, that there's nothing in this life that can give me matter apart from Him. Ready? Not ministry. Not marriage, not money, not properties, nothing. Not even children. None of it matters apart from Him. But when you have Him, you'll be a better husband, you'll be a better wife. When you have Him, You'll, giving won't be anything hard. Tithing, that's no question. That's not mine anyways, Lord. It's yours. When you're living your life for him, when he's in control, when you realize that he's the pilot, he's the driver, Jesus ain't in my passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. I'm the one that's along for the ride. That's living a life that matters. There's people under the sound of my voice and you're serious about living your life for God in this season. And I commend you for that. I see new believers that are growing hungry for the things of God, reaching and pulling on the hems of his garment. And I encourage you. I applaud you. And I tell you that nothing makes God more happier than those that are hungry for him. He said, hunger and thirst after righteousness and you will be filled. Nobody and nothing gets to stand in your way when you're hungry for him. Nobody and nothing gets to stop what God is starting in your life. When you live your life for him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you realize, man, I'm not living a life that matters. 
I'm living for me. I realize that there's a God-sized hole in my life that only Jesus can fill. And tonight I realize that I've been stuffing a lot of stuff in that hole, trying to fill that hole, trying to fill that hole, and it's still empty. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you tonight, it's just me, you, and Jesus. Nobody's looking around. Will you slip up your hand so I can see you? You say, that's me, preacher. I'm trying to fill that hole. Raise it up. Thank you. Come on, raise it up. Anybody else? Come on. I'm not living my life for you, Lord. I'm not living my life for you, Lord. Forgive me. That's not, I, I, I'm trying to fill my life with all this stuff. I'm trying to live a life that matters, and I realize that none of it matters apart from you. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Come on, head bowed, eyes closed. Raise them high if you're here tonight and you say. Second person that I'll come for tonight is the person that's probably a lot like me tonight. I would say, God, I'm guilty. I'm really guilty of wanting my life to be lived for you, but often finding things that detract, deter, and discourage me from doing so. Forgive me, Lord. I want to do better at living my life for your glory. I'll raise my hand to that, and I'll say, Lord, that's me. God, I want to live my life for you more, for you more, Lord. Forgive me in my shortcomings. Forgive me in the attitudes that I demonstrate that don't demonstrate you. Help me, God, when people see me and they see me and they don't see you. God, forgive me in the moments that I magnify all my problems and I pout and I carry on and I throw temper tantrums like four-year-olds because I didn't get my way. Jesus, fill those areas of my life. God, help me live a life that's pleasing in your sight in everything that I do. If you're here tonight and you just want to seek the Lord, you just want to draw closer to the Lord, maybe you just you feel that pull of hunger to the Lord tonight, this altar's open. Would you come right now? Come. Come. They're going to sing. And as they sing, we're just going to take a few minutes we're just going to seek the Lord. We're going to say, yeah, God, we're serious about you. Lord, we want to live a life that matters. He said, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. You ready? He said, you move first. You move first. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. You will get as much of God as you want. But here's the thing. You got to come first. You got to come first. So many say, well, I just want God to move in my life. Here's my thing. Are you moving though? Because if you're not moving, God's not going to move. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. He's watching your feet. Where are you? If you want me, walk to me. That's what he's saying.